Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 458 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew here this week. Uh, Krim couldn't make it this morning, but we have with us the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. I'm, I'm recovering from uh, a weekend of grinding Baldur's Gate. So, <laughs> wait have you have you still been have you still been playing Baldur's Gate? Have you come? Oh. Around? Okay, so uh, all right. We I I, mean, I guess I'm just gonna pitch the Patreon right now. We have a Patreon now. Patreon.com/slash/mdgoldfish. Or one of our first videos was the crew uh, playing some Baldur's Gate. I know your initial reaction was like, "This is really confusing." Like, uh, has it gotten more fun now that you've kept playing it? It's very fun, but it is extremely, extremely difficult. I, I think at some point my in-game time was 10 hours, but my Steam time was like 23 hours, <laughs> meaning that's like 13 hours of like deaths and reset and like every fight I'm like, this is impossible. There's no tutorial. Even after reading guides, I'm like dying left and right. You need to know what you're doing for this game. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. I think I have figured it out at this point, but... It is a very difficult game. It's it's typical Watsy. There's like no tutorial. It's like being dumped into like a standard PTQ as like your first experience. And you're like, I don't even know how to untap and cast spells. Like what is going on? <laughs> so, but it's a very fun game. Uh, do you think you're going to try to play it all the way through then? Is that part of your goal? Or? Oh, I've already committed like 30 hours. <laughs> so you're in. You're <laughs> I got to finish. <laughs> I, I, I am totally, I'm totally in at this point. I, I will say I, I looked at commander legends the the baldur's gate set and i was so disappointed in it i was like oh you know i i, I want a shadow heart card shadow hearts my wife who've been working so hard with her and i'm like this card is trash the art is trash there's no special treatment i'm like what is this i, I was so ready to fork over for some shiny card and i'm like oh it, I'm it disappointed seem, set. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of seem like a miss considering how much the game blew up that they didn't like have it tied together. Where I'd heard that they wanted to have it released at the same time or something, but it got messed up. So maybe they were trying to do that, but still like they could add some special versions and so forth. Yeah, I think I think that is a bit of a miss because maybe that would draw some like Baldur's Gate players into magic, which would be kind of interesting. But anyway, if you wanna if you wanna see <laughs> If you want to see me try to play Baldur's Gate, which is a real adventure, you can uh, you can check that out on the, the Patreon, patreon.com slash Goldfish. But we're here today to talk about magic, and our big topic is we're going to talk about the best cards from Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So we've talked a bit about spoilers, but today we're talking about what we think are the best standard cards and the best non-standard, non-commander cards. So it's kind of like modern and historic and all those formats. Uh, our best cards for those formats from this set. So we have some really interesting stuff to talk about. But before we jump into it, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit's the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of the hassles of buy listing, Card Conduit lets you skip them. You can use their curated service to send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more in pages to 5% fee, or you can do a little bit of work with their sorted service and list and sort your cards in advance in pages to 2% fee. Either way, you're going to get a detailed report with your results and a fast payment once your order is processed, and you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtgoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards, so thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some Lost Caverns of Excellence. Let's start with Standard. So we're getting this new set for Standard. Uh, we talked last week about how we thought the set was actually pretty powerful, one of the more powerful sets in Standard. Today, we're going to dig into our best cards for Standard. I think we have seven that are that I'm actually super hyped for, that we're hyped for. Richard, why don't you start uh, guiding us through our list here? All right, so we got seven standard cards, seven non-standard cards. Uh, these are all non-commander cards. You can check out the Commander podcast where we talk about Commander. And then if we have time, we'll throw in some uh, random commons and uncommons. Uh, okay, hitting things off for standard. Bitter Triumph, one and a black, instant, as an additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card or pay three life, destroy target creature or planeswalker. Ooh. Mm. This set has some absurd removal. Like you got this card. There's a white card we'll talk about in a minute. There's a Rakdos card that'll show up in our non-standard list. The removal in this set is like kind of off the chart. So Richard, 
What do you think about this? So two mana instant speed, creature planeswalker, that's about as efficient as we've ever seen this effect be. How big of a drawback is discarding a card or paying three life? Like right now in standard, the go-to is what? Go for the throw. That's kind of the premier two mana black removal spell. Do you think this just straight up replaces it? Is it a mixture of the two? What, what do you make of this card? It's almost still an unplayable set. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because okay, so normally this is pretty good, but we got pretty good removal in standard. Uh, so I think you got to lean on that planeswalker clause. Three life or a card is a big deal. Like that's not free. We already have go for the throat, which is non-artifact. So unless we have the artifact creature meta going on, like you're just gonna stick with that cut down. Uh, total toughness and power five or less. And of course, everyone's favorite Leyline Binding is, is still a house in the domain decks. So we have pretty good removal. So I don't even know that this is going to slot into many decks. Like if artifact decks rise, if Planeswalkers are plentiful, you can see this. But can you imagine snapping this off on a Graveyard Trespasser? Like chuck two cards, play like <laughs> two mana. Like this is like atrocious, right? Like three mana counts a lot when you're getting ping or three life counts when you're getting pinged down by Shouldred. So role player card. I can see it being played, but we we have staple removal, which is go for the throat. Oh, okay. So so counter counterpoint here. We see uh, in modern, Bone Shards actually show up in several different decks. Bone Shards is one mana. It's an additional cost to cast it. You got to sack a, uh, a creature, discard a card, destroy target creature, Planeswalker, it's sorcery speed. And that sees play because in some decks, discarding is actually an upside rather than a drawback. You're getting your animation target in the graveyard. You're uh, discarding something with madness that then you can cast. We have a lot of graveyard mechanics in standard. We have this descend stuff that cares about uh, permanence going into the graveyard. We have reanimation. We got recursive threats like Tenacious Underdog. I think there's actually enough enough ways that you can build your deck with really playable cards that discarding might actually be an upside rather than a downside that I think this card might actually just be better than go for the throw. So I, I actually think there's at least a home for this card in standard. We'll see. We'll, we'll see where it shakes up. But Reanimator. I, I hope Reanimator. We have the saga. <clears throat> we have the virtue that reanimates. Yeah. The problem is everyone's ready for this and you want to dump your card at instant speed right before you reanimate. Whereas you want to kind of fire off your removal like ASAP. So the timing is awkward because everyone's packing graveyard hate. You don't want to dump your bomb too early. So yeah, I mean, graveyard reanimation shenanigans. I can see a home for that. If you want a downside case, it's that uh, I was pretty hyped for Infernal Grasp when it came out, which was just two mana instant speed, destroy creature, you lose two life. And that hasn't really seen much play. So you're getting the upside of hitting Planeswalkers here, which is nice. But uh, it seems like players have decided that they would rather have the downside of go for the throw of not hitting artifacts than pay two life and be able to kill artifacts. So I guess that's the downside case. But I still think there's enough graveyard mechanics that this card uh, can make some waves in standard. All right. Next, we got a reprint. We got Cavern of Souls. Uh, so choose a creature type. When it, when it ETBs uh, or when you play it, and then you can add a colored mana for that creature type that is uncounterable when you cast it. So Richard, how big of an impact do you think this makes? This is known as one of the strongest cards, the strongest lands back in Legacy and Modern. Obviously, if you're playing Soldiers or Furies or a deck that's built around all creatures of a type, the card's going to be really good in that scenario or Dinosaurs now, thanks to Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Do you think people will play this outside of those scenarios, though? Is there any, like, I just really want to resolve my Atroxa in my, like, four-color, five-color pile. So I'm going to play this just to make sure that you can't make disappear my Atroxa or a Tally or something. Like, what do you expect from this one in Standard? I think that's how we play it. Yeah. Uh, usually, counter spells are not good against soldiers, so you would be taking them out. So, like, soldiers is not living in fear of getting counterspelled, but... Uh, Esper it is a trying to resolve their Shouldred. Yeah. I, yeah, it's a dual land. It doesn't cast... Do they play any uh, 
non-soldiers, like spells. It doesn't help you with your spell casting. Yeah, wedding uh, announcement, I guess, sometimes shows up in soldiers. Like, sometimes the make disappears of their own. But I think there might be, like, enough soldiers in the deck that you could yeah. play it, even if you didn't really care about the uncounterability. Just like, yeah, eh, it's an untapped dual land in my deck. I'm they really scared of the Atroxa thing. That's what that's what frightens me. Like the reason Standard hasn't been dominated by Italian Atroxa is because Make Disappear and Disdainful Stroke out of the sideboard. Now that those cards are going to be uncounterable, I feel like the value of those cards goes way way up, and the cost of it playing a colorless land essentially. I think is well worth it in a deck that just really wants to like, if I resolve my Atrox, I win the game. If I resolve my Italia, I win the game. Getting around those counter spells is such a huge deal in those decks. Yeah, I don't even care about that. I'm like, resolve my Shouldred, resolve my Rafid. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like, I guess that's also like, true. Like it, Control's already been pushed out. Remember there was a period of time where Control was, was running it and it, it's already been pushed out. Uh, with kind of this Esper mid-range stuff that, you know, basically a mid-range deck that plays some counter spells uh, will, will run over control. So this just gives you another tool. I, I don't think it'll be that important. I think it'll just be a role player in the set. Like, it, you know, we were living in Nefalia Drown Yard Control Standard or something. Like, this is your, your golden ticket out. But eh, if people just play a couple of Make Disappears here or there, it won't be too big of a deal. So well, we didn't put this on our non-standard list because it's already legal and modern, but I did want to mention quickly, uh, first time coming to like historic and to pioneer, probably going to have a role there. There's like spirits and merfolk that see playing those formats. So keep it in mind for uh, for those formats too. All right. Uh... Yeah, I'm glad you're saying these card names. Not me. Kutzil's <laughs> <laughs> flanker, two and a white. It's a Cat Warrior 3-1 Flash. When it ETBs, choose one. Put a plus one, plus one counter uh, on it for each creature that left the battlefield under your control this turn. You gain two life and scry two. Exile target player's graveyard. This seems like a Richard card. You like those valuey white creatures, Richard. What, uh, what do you make of this one? What do you do with it? I don't know what you do with it. If this was a two mana three one, we'd be cooking. Uh, but it's a three mana three one. It's totally understated. Okay, you flash okay. it in for graveyard hate. So like, what do you what do you do with this? So so you get the graveyard hate, which is actually makes me sad because there's the descent mechanic in my Urborg lure glyphs. Like I really want this deck to work, and I feel like this is just like uh, gonna really you know, worst case you're playing in the sideboard and it just wrecks the decks that are trying to fill their graveyard for descent like absolutely wrecks them also hits reanimator and stuff the more interesting part of this card to me is in the aggro decks that could play this its first ability the plus one plus one counter for each creature that left the battlefield under your control this turn that actually works against sunfall in farewell in the past when we've seen this effect it's always worded as for each creature that died this turn the fact that this has left the battlefield you build your big board of like random white creatures and you're attacking with your adelines and stuff and then your opponent sunfalls you can just flash this in and it's probably going to be a eight power creature seven power like pretty big based on all your stuff that got wrathed away and hopefully close out the game after the farewell or sunfall i think that's like one of the biggest upsides of this card is like punish that opponent for tapping out for those super powerful but expensive exile ras. No. So if this was two mana, it can be reanimated with Eigenjo. <laughs> uh why don't you just play make disappear if this like this is what you try to do? <laughs> like that the fact just that it's three, it's a three mana three one is so bad if you're not getting wrath. So if you're planning on getting wrath. You have to overcommit into the wrath and then hold up mana to make this come down and hopefully you have enough to chip through. I feel like I would just play a counter spell if I was doing that. Is there a, I guess, mono white aggro? So soldiers can play counter spells, but mono white aggro cannot. But I don't know. Is there a mana tie? There's something we could be playing? This seems very <laughs> situational. You have to cut good cards for this. Are you willing to cut extraction specialists, wedding ring? Adeline, Adeline's like, what are we cutting to put this in the deck? So, so maybe, maybe it's a sideboard all-star. So the card that it compares to the most for me is actually Tranquil Frillback, which is a green card, but it's also a three drop. And that's the one when ETB is a kind of like weird multi-kicker where you can pay one to exile a graveyard, gain four, blow up artifact or enchantment. 
That card doesn't see a lot of main deck play, but it does show up a lot in sideboards because of its flexibility. I think that might be the, the role for this card if you're playing Soldiers or White Aggro or even some of the Esper decks. This is one card that like is pretty good against Sweepers, is pretty good against Graveyard decks, and then the Scry 2 in Game 2 mode, that's almost like drawing a card, right, Richard? Doesn't Scry 2 <laughs> add up to drawing a card? It's very good against aggro because you flash it in, it's removal, you, you can block, you Scry 2, and you gain 2 life. <laughs> That's assuming you can block and they're not hitting you with flyers. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I can see this. I can see this being played somewhere, but we got to figure out the, the home for it. But it's certainly unexciting. <laughs> it's a 3-mana three 3-1. Three That's a sideboard option. There's so much graveyard hate in standard now, but now let's let's but move you on. You need to the it. Next you one. need it. It's uh, white we graveyard do. hate too. All right, uh, creature lands. We have a full cycle of creature lands. So these are allied colors. So Azorius, uh, Selesnya, etc. I'll go over what each of them do. So the Azorius one is so they all need to be tapped. They all add colors of the of the two things, and then three mana. The, it, the Azorius one becomes a 2-3 white and blue bird with flying. Uh, when it attacks, create a map token. Uh, the Selesnya one is 4 mana, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, it's a llama. Uh, when it attacks, other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Uh, Demir, 4-4 four, four, blue, black, shark. Uh, mill 4 players on attack, or mill 4 cards on attack. Gruul is 4 mana, 3-4 three, dinosaur. When it attacks, another target creature gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. Untap that creature. Rakdos is 3 mana, 2, 3. Uh, Menace Insect. When it attacks, you discard a card, or you may discard a card if you do draw a card. So these are all very aggressively costed activations. And they decent bodies with some extra value, and their ability varies depending on which one it is. I mean, they all seem pretty decent, right? Like, so we just got half a cycle in Wilds of Alderaan. All of the ones from Wilds of Alderaan have seen some amount of standard play. A lot of it depends on what colors are most popular. I think the the Orzhov one probably sees the most play because there's so many Esper decks running around and it just fits in a lot of those archetypes. I don't see any reason why these wouldn't show up in pretty much uh, many decks that are playing their colors, right? As long as you're slow enough that you can afford a couple tap lands having lands that turn into creatures i think is especially good in this standard because we go back to that sunfall farewell thing where like having something left over after your board inevitably gets swept to like pressure your opponent is really really valuable so which one of these would you say is best richard i, I think they'll all see play like you if you're in their colors you play a couple copies is there anyone that sticks out as being like best here one out of this cycle so the best one is whatever the most meta colors are currently. <laughs> but if you just yeah. ignore colors, probably the bird, probably the Azorius one. Two, three uh, flyers on map for just three to activate is actually pretty nice. I mean, so the biggest power one after a wrath would be Demir. Yep. So the, the Gruul one technically adds five power, but you need another creature. So if you're going after the Sunfall meta, maybe, maybe Demir. But... What yeah, is that, the most pop? I mean, so yeah, if you have a black mana symbol in your in your colors, you're probably seeing played here. So that'd be Rakdos and Demir because we're in a black face standard. So maybe those two would be the best ones. Yeah, I also like the the self mill aspect of the Demir one too, which uh, Urborg, Urborg, Urgoyf. It's gonna happen, Richard. It's happening. You're so we're, it. we're you're descending so over up this uh, self mill aspects. <laughs> uh, okay, kite sail Larsenus. Blue, three mana, two, three, human pirate, flying ward, one. When ETBs for each creature, choose up to one other target creature or artifact that player controls. For as long as this remains on the battlefield, the chosen permanent becomes uh, a treasure artifact with tap, sacrifice the artifact, add one mana of any color. You lose all other abilities. Ooh. <laughs> So this is, I mean, uh, this is like a, a blue Banisher Priest effect. We see tons of white versions of this card. Fiend Hunter, Banisher Priest, Brutal Gathar, like there's a million of them. This color shifts that effect to blue. Is this like temporary removal spell? Yes, it has to stick around. It also gets flying. It also gets a little bit of protection in Ward 1, which is actually kind of relevant. We've seen on Rafine, like having to spend an extra mana really throws off the tempo to kill something like Rafine. This has that same protection. 
I feel like this is a very strong tempo card. It gets in in the air, chips in for damage, deals with something, albeit temporarily, and then annoys your opponent when they have to actually kill it. This is really good, right? This is like a really good Banisher Priest. I think it's really good, but I'm scared of giving people a random treasure. So <laughs> if you are trying to tempo someone out, this is... I don't like... Hmm. Still, if they, they play, they play a two-drop... <laughs> You play your three drop to banish your priest. They're like, whatever, bro. And then they, they slam down his shouldered. Yeah. How but bad did this backfire? This is like, like, is this path to exile? You know, yeah, you're like, I'm, oh, I can remove mm -hmm. anything for one mana, but I've just ramped you and I'm kind of scared now. Or is this actually very good? So like, if you I, if they sack their shouldered for a treasure, I think you're very happy about this. But if they have, like, say, a 2-2 Dirtle creature you're trying to just remove for value, then I think you don't want to be ramping them. And you can choose, would, by the way. You can choose not to banish or freeze them. Yeah, I guess it's still a 2-3 Flying Ward 1, even if you choose not to. I think I mostly agree with that. It's not that exciting against most 2-drops. Maybe there's some, like, uh, against Soldiers or some of the some of the decks, what are they going to ramp into anyway? Like, get their Harbin or whatever, that's fine, their Bunny Corn. So when it, uh, against the Aggro decks, it's probably fine. Against the mid-range decks... I think you really want to be hitting three plus drops. So maybe it's like awkward on the curve a little bit that you don't want to run this out and like, oh, I hit your tenacious underdog. I ramp you. You blitz it anyway. Like that doesn't that doesn't do anything. That's like a very, very useless. But against like shield raid or any of the bigger threats, I think it's totally, totally worth it. Like turning your shielded into a treasure. Sure, maybe that lets you like cast multiple things the next turn or whatever, but you still got rid of the shielded. And then if your opponent does sack it, the downside of them just cut downing your uh, your larceny goes away like once they actually spend the treasure then this is just hard removal yeah i think this card is very good you could also target yourself you can ramp yourself yeah. too because it's each player <laughs> ramp mono blue ramp <laughs> we're doing it yeah like you have something that's locked down or some token or something you can ramp yourself too so i actually yeah this card seems very good just gotta be careful not to burn yourself keep playing yeah yeah uh bone horde dracosaur five mana five five in red, it's a dinosaur dragon. Flying first strike at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play them this turn. If you exiled a land card this way, create a 3-1 red dinosaur creature token. If you exiled a non-land card this way, create a treasure token. Okay, so I, I, <laughs> I need to know what you think, Richard. A year ago, a year Ooh. ago, a year ago if I had seen this card... I would have said, no ETB, whatever. Like, you know, it's just going to die to Doomblade. But we've just lived through a standard where Shieldred, a creature that dies to Doomblade, has been the dominant force in the format. If this sticks around for one turn, you draw two cards, probably get a dinosaur token and a treasure. Is this card actually good now? I, Shieldred has made me think that cards like this can be good because if you just play enough powerful threats, Sooner or later, your opponent can't answer them all. And if this is the one that sticks, even for like two turns, it probably wins you the game with the value it generates. I've learned from Shoulder. This is good. This is good. <laughs> it's this... gotta be. And it also, it also metas Shoulder. Like you don't draw the card, right? You can dig your deck to remove the Shoulder with the dragon. It's a 5-5 five, five flying first striker. So it kills Shoulder in combat as well. It's flying... It has first strike. It can block. If you untap with this, you are getting at least two more creatures uh, or uh, two cards, right? You may play them this turn. Oh, no, so if you, yeah, so the lands become creatures. So this has to be good. It's got to be. Like every turn it sits out, you're drawing two. But it dies Probably to Doomblade, says. <laughs> it does die to Doomblade. But so does Shieldred or go for the Doomblade. That's where I was so wrong on Shieldred. I'm like, it dies to Doomblade. But yeah, me too. Okay, here, here's the here's okay, here's the counterpoint. So we have answers in our deck, but we have to dig for them. Shouldred prevents you from digging for your answers because as you try to dig, Shouldred is like murdering you. This one doesn't do that. So you can dig for your heart's content. So maybe it still dies to Doomblade. <laughs> hmm. Imagine, like, don't you just, like, play Rakdos and, like, curve Shieldred into this? How do you how do you beat that? Like, how do you kill everything you need to kill if you just play Humility. enough powerful things in a row? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, plus it's this, got this has to be Like, if, if you untap with this, how do you lose? I mean, this is more powerful than untapping with the Shieldred, no? I, I would say so. 
You get two yeah. cards and a token. It also is like a mana. Sure. It flies. Like, you could hit yeah. people with it. And like we have ramp for dinosaurs. We have the like dinosaur birds of paradise thing. So that's something that's relevant. Also, we have dragon support. There's like uh, Sarkin and Rivaz. So there's a bunch of like ways it's creature type matters too, outside of just playing as a generic like mid range star. But I think this card's bonkers. Like this card's so good. Red got yeah, some okay. bombs it's, in this. We set. can't be burned by this. This is we're gonna let's get a release zero percent. I know we're gonna have the podcast <laughs> in a year. No, no one ever played Bonehorn and died to June Plane. This gonna, has uh, to be. This is so good. This is so good. Uh, okay, how about another dinosaur? Trumpeting Carnosaur, six mana, seven six trample. When an ETBs discover five three mana, discard Trumpeting Carnosaur. It deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. <laughs> Isn't this card kind of a joke? Like, th- 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 this card's ridiculous. So it's like, it's good or it's bad? I don't know what you're oh, saying, like, Seth. I think it's got to be, like, busted. Like, it's like Carnage Tyrant stats. It has a really strong ETB. And then if it gets stuck in your hand, you can pitch it as, like, a three-mana strangle in the early game. So you're not going to have this, like, stuck in your hand if you're short on mana. This feels, like, built for constructed. This does not die to Doomblade because you discover five, so you're, like, getting something else that goes along with it. It can work as removal, and it's got a 7-6 trampling body. Is three mana enough to... Or three damage enough to kill anything? Sort of. It doesn't kill children, <laughs> unfortunately. Ow. It doesn't hit does, children. It, it does It doesn't hit kill. the dinosaur we were just talking about. It, that's it's more for like the aggro beatdown, right? It gets it gets rid of like Lord off. Skitter, which is big. It gets rid of Fairy Mastermind. It gets rid of a, a lot of the like early game aggro style threats. Not as good against the the mid range. It gets Graveyard Trespasser. You do got to pay the ward or whatever, but so it's a decent amount of the early game stuff. Would you reanimate this? <laughs> you could. You could reanimate it. You can pitch it and reanimate it. The Discover works with Blink since it's an ETB trigger. Plus, like. Wizards have said that out of all the, the creature types on Ixalan, Dinosaurs is the one that they actually tried to make into a deck. They didn't try to make Merfolk a deck. They didn't try to make uh, any of the other tribes. This one, they actually tried to make to a deck. So I think that this is like one of the best dinosaurs for the dinosaur deck, which Wizards apparently tried to make a thing. So six you not mana like it? is a lot. I don't know, because it's six mana. Oh, would you, you just not cards. play the other one? Would you not play Bonehorde Dr- Dracosaur instead? This this cascades into Dracosaur, which then draws you into Shieldred, and then you can't lose. <laughs> so, like, do you need to extend your curve to six mana? Like, the, the question is, like, can you just stop at four mana, ca- mm. call Shieldred your bomb, and call it a day? The the Carnosaur is interesting because it's three mana bad removal. But, like, is that even worth it? Like, what, what if you just... Ignore that and end your curve at four or five with the other one. So that is the question I'm asking, whether it's worth adding the additional lands and support to get this. Like if 95% of the time you're playing this as three mana removal, that that is horrendous, right? Like you need to actually be casting this. And we have such powerful four and five drops. Maybe you just end your curve early and you don't bother Mm. trying to get So maybe it's just that that would be my thought. But I don't know. I but like I'm imagine playing this and you 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 discover into Shouldred or Bone Horde like the game is over. Oh yeah, but you can like also die because you're playing three mana removal and you're getting soldiered down, and then so, like, oh, that, that is the so, end of it. <laughs> so I think of the three mana removal mode as like the upside. Like I think if you're playing this. You're playing a deck that has a plan to actually cast it. You're ramping into it. You're playing dinosaurs with their mana dorks. You're playing the new, like, uh, whatever rampant growth effect that gets a basic forest. Like, you're playing stuff to ramp into this, so you're going to reasonably be casting it. And then that three mana mode is the, like, the fail safe. It's the, like, oh, I got this really clunky, expensive hand. Well, I'm not doing anything. I can use this to help stay alive while I'm waiting to ramp into my other big things. I think this card's going to be going to be really good in standard. It's awkward. So if you ramp... The problem is you may discover into more ramp being like utterly useless. If you reanimate, you can also reanimate this. You might also discover into reanimation into if you reanimation. have no targets. Uh, so a little awkward, oh, but Although maybe it's cruelty fine. of Gix. Cruelty of Gix gets around that because that's like yeah. reanimation that you can still get value out of. So maybe there's maybe you got to build around it a little bit. But if Imagine I was to do the hmm. hoops of reanimating, why don't I just play like a, a Traxa or something? So hmm. this is an interesting card. This is an interesting card. I, I can see it being played. I can also see it not being played whatsoever because we have better alternatives. But 
So, yeah. so Richard, I I made this list. What uh, what card would you pick as the number one card out of our standard cards? I'm because for me, see. I'm on record <laughs> as Carnosaur being my number one. But I'm curious what your number one is. I choose Dracosaur. <laughs> that is also I, high I, I, I can see this being as Red Shouldered, but like you get more cards from your deck. So I I, I go Dracosaur. I go, like I I think I would play Dracosaur as my curve topper rather than Carnosaur. Plus, Dracosaur is good in Prosper, so <laughs> you, you got that too. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Uh, all right, let's okay. let's talk about some non-standard cards. What do we? And this is a mixture of formats. I think it's mostly for focused on formats I play, so like Modern, Pioneer, Historic, but a, a mixture of those formats. I'll tell you which format as we go along. Richard, let's get into our list. There's a lot of text here, Seth. Thousand Moon Smithy, <laughs> four mana legendary artifact. When the ETPs create a white gnome soldier artifact creature with this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may tap five untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. If you do transform it, the backside is a land. It taps to add white mana. Whenever you cast an artifact or creature spell using mana produced by Barracks of the Thousand, create a white gnome soldier Artifact creature token with this creature's power toughness equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control. <laughs> so it makes like back. constructs that are upgraded that also pump yep. with your number of creatures. If you have five untapped artifacts or creatures, it transforms at the beginning of your uh, main phase. And then as you use this land for mana, it makes new construct things for fun. So, What's the home for this? <laughs> uh, that's that is the question. So there's there's affinity style decks. There's uh, Urza style decks. There's Thopter Sword style decks. So there there are decks that are built around artifacts. You could also go a very different direction and play it in like uh like the Boros Convoke style deck. Maybe it's just too expensive at four mana for a deck like that. But the fact that it triggers off of creatures as well as artifacts, any sort of like go wide token deck, to me. It seems like the backside is just such a ridiculously huge payoff. And we've seen like Urza's Saga Karnstrucks or literal Karnstrucks be so good. They just get so big so fast. There's got to be a home for this, right? Or is it just too, is four mana just too much? Is it just like, huh, modern in 2023, four mana, like what a joke. I think this is too cute. I think the constructs coming off of the Urza Saga, which is your land, is, is key. Paying four mana, waiting a turn because it's your next pre-combat main phase. And then having five untapped artifacts that you need to then tap. <laughs> so you're yep. taking a turn off combat uh, or, you know, you have stuff to tap to, to do this. So like affinity would be the only thing I can think of that might actually, but like four mana, like you can't cheat this down. I think this four is mana, Four mana is kind of a lot. It is, it is kind of a lot. This is what if you like, just play four Urza sagas and just make constructs like off your lands and call it a day? Like, do, do we need to do this? <laughs> so, so it might be one of those cards that goes up in value more in like Pioneer slash Historic, where you don't actually have Urza's saga and you can jam it in some of the artifacts and in, uh, index in those formats. So, I think I might agree that. Maybe in modern, it's just a little too slow. Or maybe it's like a one-of type card for affinity style decks or Urza style decks. I think in a, in Pioneer Historic, though, that's where I get even more excited about this because the format's a little bit slower. And legitimately, if you flip this, every turn for free making a construct as you cast a creature artifact, that's going to take over the game, right? How does that not take over the game uh, just with massive, massive creatures? So I think that uh, I think that it's got a home. I don't know if it makes it a modern, but I'm pretty high on it in Pioneer or in some of the arena formats. Do, do we have any construct makers in in Pioneer? We have we have, uh, we have actual. What is the Karn? Remember the Karn that did that? That we the original oh, name of the Karn oh, struck. The, the yeah, the four card. mana Karn. Yeah, oh, I no, think no. that's the that's the main one. Yeah. No, no, we don't have like Urza or Urza no. Saga. We, we no, don't, no, we don't have the broken U cards. <laughs> okay. Uh, Souls of the Lost. One in a black. It's a spirit. As an additional cost to cast the spell, discard a card or sacrifice a permanent. Uh, its power is equal to the number of permanent cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. All it's right, Richard. Goif. You're the Goyf master. <laughs> Is this a goif that can be good in 2023? Like, is this is this better goif? 
which which format are we talking about? We're talking we're talking modern. Probably let's let's focus on modern for this one. I think this is going to be at its best in fetch land formats where fetch lands are adding permanence to your graveyard to grow it. So I think this is mostly I would say a modern card. So like, would you play this in Jund? No. You can pitch a land, get it back with Ren and Six. Do those little cute Jun shenanigans? No. You have to work. Okay, you have to work so hard to get this to respectable damage range. What like, about like if you just like fetch, fetch, fetch? It's still just a three four. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it did it. The the whole point of Tarmogoyf is like you fetch Thoughtseize, and like it's a four five ready to go, and you're putting pressure. And even that is like stone unplayable. So this thing needs to go into a dedicated mill deck or something where you have only permanence and it's like Boneyard Worm or something at this point. Like, are we really playing this? Remember, you can't even cast this for free. Like, you have to chuck a card on the way down or sack a permanent. So it's... What it's about unplayable, right? There's, or okay, it's like okay. a combo piece or something. What about right? like Hollow One or like reanimator like doing the the bone shards like trying to turn the upside the downside of discarding something into an upside like this can be legitimately huge right if you're imagine dredge i don't know if this makes it in dredge out of all these like big descend things i think it's the card that's closest to making it in dredge but like in a deck like that this is legitimately going to be a two mana 10 10 or something i guess it still gets hit by solitude or whatever but it is a legitimately massive creature it's one of those cards where like i haven't found the home for it yet but i feel like this is modern playable power level Am I am I off base on it? Is it not? It's just not strong enough, you know. Think. No, like, oh, okay. I feel like it's we strong have enough. Two but mana, eight home. eight flyers. <laughs> okay, we we have free constructs which are like infinite power. Uh, let's say this is like a two mana fourteen fourteen no evasion. Do we care about this? So, it gets chumped for days. It still eats a leyline binding. If they solitude it, I guess you get like a second life to work with. But mm -hmm, are you, mm -hmm. is that going to help you win if you're playing more Souls of the Lost? Like, are you going to get anywhere with this? So am I just living in the past then? Is this a card that would have been good like five years ago in Modern? The pre, <laughs> is this just like, it's a card that doesn't stand up to Modern Horizons 2 power level? Is that kind of the, the issue? Like, is it Murktide? Like, just like a million times yeah. better than this? I mean, Mark Titan, can you can you imagine the work it needs to get this to an eight eight or an eight nine? It doesn't even fly. I don't that know. Like. Just Seder Wayfinder and you know mill some stuff. Maybe I'm you play Dredge stuff. without the payoff. Then right, like if your graveyard gets axed, you're done. But this is you my actually payoff. have no way of winning. <laughs> mm, this and Goyf jam them all together. Now we're now we're going to town. All the Goyfs. Oh, all right. Nice. You could make sure all you right. get no wins whatsoever. <laughs> what what about like Pioneer? But is actually, usable in other formats? So I actually feel like this goes down in value once you get to the no fetchland formats. Okay. On the other hand, there are like graveyard decks. Like Abzan Greasefang is a good example that is pretty permanent heavy, very self-mill heavy. Could you play this? Yeah, I mean, this is like pitch your Parhelion on turn two from your hand to set up Grease Fang the next turn. It's a backup plan where you're just like, eh, they dealt with my whatever Grease Fang. So I just play this big, you know, six, six and go to town. So I could see there, I could see there being homes for it in like Pioneer or Explorer. Whether or not it like, I don't know. Would you play this in like Golgari midrange in a format like Pioneer? I kind of doubt it, but maybe. It seems like so much work for like so little payoff. Like if if you just had a two man of four four or two man of five five, is that even that play? Let's say and, it was two uh, man of five five, chuck a card on the way down. Would you play that? Don't we have that already actually? Yeah. Do we have no. a <laughs> No, probably, probably not, I guess. And you still have the weakness to the graveyard. I think decks like Grease yeah. Bang work because the risk of getting blown up my graveyard heat is there, but the payoff is so high that if you dodge it, you just like win the game on turn three. So it makes it worth it. This doesn't do that. This is like you know a big creature, but what is it? Trample? Okay, obviously trample, <laughs> uh, ward eight, fly, ward. whatever, right? But, but if it was like number of permanents exiled. Ooh, that's then, what you need. Then you can make away. an argument for like dredge or grease fang or something mm. playing this as some kind of weird backup. But yep. even then, I feel like you wouldn't play this. <laughs> like, why, like, why go for the case you're being totally hosed? And is one creature really going to win the game for you at that point? But that would be another dimension you can attack on. But this goes with, you know, along the same primary dimension, which is I need my graveyard intact. So if the graveyard goes, like, this, this card is useless along with the rest of your deck.
it's soft to the same things your primary plant yeah. is soft to, which is is something you usually want to avoid. So, all right. All right. Volatile Fault. Uh, it's a cave land. Tap to add colorless. One tap. Sacrifice to destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls. That player may sacrifice their library for a basic land, put on the battlefield, then shuffled. You create a treasure token. Ooh. So how does this compare to Field of Ruin, Richard? So one mana cheaper to activate. Sometimes Field of Ruin can be like a little slow because it's two mana. The downside is you're only getting a treasure rather than actually getting another land out of your deck. So faster, faster Field of Ruin, but it doesn't fully replace itself. Is this not Ghost Quarter? What does what what Ghost Quarter actually say? <laughs> this is so just Ghost one Quarter, mana Ghost Quarter that makes a map, right? You get a treasure, but yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. so Ghost Quarter is free, but you get nothing. This is one mana and you get a treasure. Field of Ruin, two mana, but you get a land back. Yeah, I feel like this is playable, though. No? Like, are we playing? I mean, I guess if we need the, the, uh, what, what's that mono white destruction deck where you tax yeah, the, the lead and Arbiter? Yeah, yes. and you needed another that's... ghost quarter. Do we need more ghost quarters? I don't know what that deck looks like. <laughs> so, so I think that's actually the home I think that I had for this deck. So, if you yeah. look at the the death and taxes decks right now, they usually play four ghost quarters, four field of ruins. I think this is just better field of ruin in that deck because if you have arbiter out, you're not searching for land anyway. So the treasure is actually kind of an upside because you're actually getting something out of it, and it's just cheaper to activate, which lets you actually like uh, put something on the battlefield and activate it when field of ruin is too much mana. I don't know if this will see play outside of that deck, but I think specifically in the arbiter taxes decks, I think this is a is going to be very good. Yeah. I wonder how popular that deck is. <laughs> it's but not this, that popular. It's like tier. tier can can, can we make it to something. like 36 ghost quarters? That's our deck. <laughs> just like nothing but ghost quarter type cards. Like I think it, we're getting there. It's also a cave. Not that that matters in older formats, but it might matter in somewhere someday. All right. Uh, Tarion Soul Cleaver. One mana legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature has vigilance. Whenever another artifact or creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on equipped creature. Equip two. Mm. I see you looking confused, Richard. <laughs> we combo? Softer sword? Like, what are we doing with this exactly? But okay, the softer so sword need another combo piece? So, so I don't think Thopter Sword needs another combo piece. There are combos for this card. It's it's very similar to uh, Blade of the Blood Chief. Um which is mostly a combo piece, uh, but I don't know if any of the combos are relevant for uh, formats like Modern. They're usually like kind of janky, Commander, Ashnod's Altar, Phyrexian Altar shenanigans. The place I see this card being very good is actually in Urza Saga decks, specifically Urza Saga decks that are also Hardened Scales decks. Uh, Hardened Scales, I think this is a really, really solid, like one of tutor target. You can get it with your Urza Saga. It works with the theme of your Arcbound Ravager sacrificing stuff, your uh, Walking Ballista sacrificing stuff is another way to kind of like double up your counters and they go on the Ozolith. So I think that's that's where I would play this card. Maybe someone can find like a janky combo that works with it. But to me, I see this as like really, really good one of Hardened Scales tutor target for Urza Saga. Urza Saga fixes all. Yeah, <laughs> You don't want to fill your deck with these garbage cards, but one of tutor target? Bam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Urza Saga solves all those problems. Ooh, we got to yeah. talk about this next one, Richard. This is like, this is the card I want to hear your opinion on the most. Because this is the most Richard card. Echoing Deeps. You may have Echoing It's a land. You may have it enter the battlefield tapped as a copy of any land card in a graveyard. Except it's a cave in addition to its other types. Okay, what? so... Wait, wait. Tap, add color. You may have... Okay, so... Enter, so it actually is an ETV untapped land. And it can enter tapped to copy something. Yes, it can come into play untapped like a waste, basically. An untapped land that makes colorless or tapped as a copy of land from the graveyard. So, Richard, I know we're not talking about Commander here, but we got to talk a little bit about Commander here because you're the one that put me on to Vesuvas and Thespian stages. Those are like signature Richard cards that you play in pretty much every deck. Is this part of that package? Is this another like signature Richard plate in every deck? Or does the <laughs> fact that the land need to be in the graveyard... Does that kind of kill it for your purposes? Ah, uh, you've seen how bad my mana base is this season, Seth, because <laughs> everything is a must-play colorless Richard <laughs> Land card. I want to play this. I think I'm going to put this in. Like, 
can my mana base support like a million un you know colorless lands? I'm not sure because the third copying. I think it has purposes, right? Like when your actual yeah. land you want to copy dies, you can yep. copy it. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work with things that flip like Dowsing Dagger, <laughs> yeah, but that's the like someone chucks their coffers or something, like cool coffers, bro. And it, this is an ETV untapped land too. Um, probably staple in any two color deck, three color decks maybe. At four or five, it's getting risky as you run like unlimited... <laughs> Uh, things yeah. i guess you could have it and okay you could have it etb tapped as a fetch land and then mm -hmm. fetch up your stuff yeah that's kind of the floor i think is you copy a fetch land it's tapped which is get a trial but it actually try out this is it this is every deck and then every deck you can also <laughs> you can also play it with your strip mines like to get the lands that you want in the graveyard or to double up a strip mine so yeah i i feel like this is a good commander card i also think this has some ramifications in six city card format so in modern virtually well with ursa saga this like copies your ursa saga from the graveyard to keep that value train going and like loam style decks if you wanted the other places is probably going to be really good i think might be in legacy in dark depth style decks they're already loaming and there's wastelands in that format and one of the ways you try to beat the dark depths deck is wastelanding their dark depths and thespian stages this copies whatever of your combo piece ends up getting wastelanded or that you mill off a loam or whatever to uh to restart your combo so i think it'll see play there you could also see argument for like cloud post decks in legacy as a way to fight through wastelands like yeah so i think this card actually has some 60 card ramifications along with being a very 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 richard e commander card up, up, update my boomer knowledge of legacy is wasteland still play is is, is that a thing for like a, a a standard normal deck not you know against a lands deck uh, Wasteland is currently the most played land in Legacy. Yeah, so, so we, we're still delvering, we, we're almost. still playing stuff, and then we, we hit their underground sea. Yep. Like, this just gives you eight Wastelands, right? Eight like, Wastelands. Red and Six was banned because you could recur your Wastelands <laughs> and destroy everyone. So isn't this I mean, insanely so, strong? How many, it ETB's how many untapped you, if you need mana, right? It does. I mean, how many can you play, though, in, like... A Delver shell. Is there like a, a limit on how many wastelands you can actually play? Like, are you gonna have too many colorless lands at some point if you just like go too? too well, deep? so this thing can cop this. So you have perfect mana and legacy because you you have real dual lands. This can become a dual land, so it's an easy tap land. Yeah, and then there's yeah, just random it, upside. Yeah. Like, can you? Yeah, okay, what if you? Mm -hmm. What if you? Oh no, you can't do it. I was like, what if you turn one? play this tap and then turn to double wasteland them but you can't the wasteland has to be in the graveyard the wasteland's the gotta go, go to the graveyard first yeah now maybe it's even better than i thought i was thinking it was for I, specific I think really decks, but think... maybe you can just copy wastelands okay okay seth we're getting here so we just got the ghost quarter as well yeah so now we have echoing deeps yes are we, are we gonna are we <laughs> we're doing, <laughs> we're doing the same thing in modern here <laughs> we're, we're doing yeah i gotta have your leon and arbiter but we're getting close we're getting close <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, Molten Collapse. Rackdoll Sorcery. Two mana. Red and a black. Choose one. If you descended this turn, you may choose both instead. Destroy target creature card or, or destroy target creature or planeswalker. Destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent with mana value one or less. I mean... This has to be really good, right? It's like Dreadbore. I think we talked about this on last week's podcast. It's like Dreadbore... But you get the upgrade that, like, it randomly snipes other stuff, and all you gotta do to trigger Descend is crack a fetch land. So I feel like this is enough of an upside to make Dreadbore modern playable. And if you're playing other formats, then it's just a strict upgrade in, like, Pioneer to Dreadbore or whatever. I'm insulted this is so low, Seth. The disrespect of Rakdos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it also so goes it's, in the it's best Dreadbore the that, that picks off an, an amulet. Yep. Uh, you know, an amulet of vigor. Hardened scale. Uh, Hardened scale. Guide Lantern. There's a pretty yep. big list of things that it snipes. It is really good. It, 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 I mean, so it it's a strict upgrade to Dreadbore. And then yep. you have Revolt or whatever. So this is... So the, so the problem my... is, will, will Rakdos actually play this? Do, do we care enough to play Sorcery Speed Removal? Like, are there Planeswalkers running amok? Are there one mana value spells what is the you know titan matchup look like so so that was actually going to be my question like recto scam is the number one deck in modern by quite a bit at the moment 
is this is this going to make it in that deck? If you look at the deck list, so it pitches to both Fury and Grief, which is nice. Yes. That's something you want. Um, do you cut Terminate for this? Is this better than Terminate? It's Sorcery versus Instant, but you get the upside. It gets Pithy Needle. It gets uh, Gra Graph Digger's Cage, a bunch of different like Graveyard Hate style sideboard cards, along with the main deck like Amulet in some matchups, Shadow Smear in some matchups, uh, Hardened Scales in some matchups. Is that enough of a enough of an upside to just drop terminate for this? I think so. I, 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 I think yes. the, the the magic is it pitches to force of will the meme right. Like if this card is truly horrendous, it doesn't matter because it's going to your 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 evoke elementals. <laughs> I think not knowing anything about the matchup, but I would imagine scam versus titan is not in scam's favor. So the ability to like main deck pick off those. Those am like if you pick off the amulets, that that deck's like got nothing. So yeah. if you can pick off the amulets, that's really good. So I think this is alone worth it. So I would probably try running these. And again, it pitches it pitches to the other cards, right? Like it, you, <laughs> you don't case. need to play this bad card if you don't want, right? You can get rid of it. So I think I think we're gonna see it. I, I I agree. I think it's enough of an upgrade that we're going to see. Obviously, like, just replaces Dreadmore in other formats, but I think this is enough of a boost of power compared to Dreadmore that I do think we're going to see it show up in the in the Rakdos decks back in Modern and maybe some other decks, too. Like, uh, the, the mana fixing is so easy. Like, uh, you could play this in a lot of different archetypes because fetch lands are just so heavily played, and all it takes is a single one to, uh, to deal with it. What about your favorite Jund, Richard? Would this make it in Jund? No, not. I mean, I mean, no. okay, okay. I mean, it would. Would that do anything to fix Jund? <laughs> so people so, play yes, Dreadboard non, non ironically. Okay, like it, it is like on the cusp when they're annoying planeswalkers. Like for example, if Ren and Six was meta, like you're you're playing Dreadboard. So Dreadboard yeah. is very playable. This being a strict upgrade makes it very playable. Does this give any percentage win points to Jund? Probably not. Not enough. Uh, so <laughs> effectively, does it matter? <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. Uh, is Tidebinder, three mana, three two, Merfolk Wizard with Flash, uh, in blue. When it ETBs, counter up to one target activated ability or triggered ability. If an ability of an artifact, creature, or planeswalker is countered this way, that permanent loses all abilities for as long as Tide Tidebinder remains on the battlefield. So this is my number one modern card from the set. I think Molten Collapse is is also very good, and the land's good. This card, to me, I think is is kind of absurd. So if you think about this, you got good stats, you got Flash, so you already want this. What does this card actually do? Well, level one, you Stone Rain a Fetch Land, like you just hit the hit the Fetch Land trigger. You know, it's three mana land destruction. But this also hits the One Ring and stops it forever for as long as it stays on the battlefield. You hit a One Ring activation, it can hit Fury Solitude's ETB trigger to keep your stuff alive. It can shut down Renner to Fairy. Well, to Fairy is a little tricky, I guess, because you can't flash <laughs> this in. But like Ren forever. Uh, shutting down planeswalkers forever on a good body like is this not just like a ridiculously good creature for modern i feel like this is a card that can make merfolk a deck again i feel like merfolk is gonna change i feel like merfolk it's old school game plan of like oh i'm gonna play all the lords and just like run out every lord of atlantis that doesn't work in 2010 in a world of furies and like evoke elementals no that's not gonna work but what if you're like more of a merfolk tempo deck where you're playing this and like merfolk trickster sevulin and playing like merfolk kind of like tempo control almost fairy style merfolk I feel like this card is so good in a shell like that. And you don't even have to be a Merfolk deck. Like, it's just, like, a really, really strong card. It shuts down so many things. Am I off base? Is this not as good as I think, Richard? <laughs> I feel like this card's so good. Is is, is Stifle our answer here? Is... <laughs> so, Stifle's okay. One ring. I, I, I totally do not believe this is a card outside of Merfolk. I, I can't Ooh. imagine anyone just jams this into their deck because, like, three okay. mana, three two. And like I get to stifle something, uh, but in Merfolk itself, is this enough to fix Merfolk? And does this even make the cut in Merfolk? Because there's a lot of like good cards in Merfolk. Like, what are we? So if someone sandbags a Fury and tries to Fury to stabilize, then you get him. Probably get dead. Em. Yeah. Do we not literally? Do we not have any stifle spells like at two mana or one mana in all of Modern? 
I mean, you can play like Tales End or something, like is some sort of weird or, counter is trick, spell. Is Trickbind legal? <laughs> like, what is Trickbind this? is, yeah, Trickbind's legal, but like this shuts down those things forever, though. Like the losing all the abilities, I think that's not only does it get rid of like the ability you stifled, the card has no tax for as long as this sticks out. So this like is a permanent answer to a planeswalker or the one, well, permanent in the sense as long as it's on the battlefield. But like once you siphon an ability, that card's just like locked down for as long as it sticks around. That's the part that I think is the big upgrade. Stifle can stop the one ring for a turn. This stops the one ring for as long as it's on the battlefield, which is a huge, huge difference. Okay, realistically, who can play this? <laughs> Like, so Merfolk, Merfolk is the easy one. Merfolk, like, I obviously. think Merfolk realistically can play it. Would Murktide play this? I don't think so. <sighs> the body's essentially be. useless, no? A three mana, three two is essentially useless in modern, no? I mean, it does have flash. So you can do the ambush viper and like, whatever, hit a Ragavan or a Bowmasters maybe if you can get the, get the timing right. Coco decks get, are not much of a wait, thing anymore. Can you get hit by the monkey and then lock this down? <laughs> oh no, but they can just legend rule the monkey. It doesn't stop them from casting another monkey. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop another one. And it also doesn't stop. So if you if your opponent scams like a fury, it's not gonna stop both triggers, which is awkward. Wait, so it doesn't line triggers? up as well. Well, like if so, if you stop the Fury's ETB trigger and then it goes to the graveyard and then you just scam it back into play the second oh, one. Oh, I see. It'll be a new Fury, so that one will still resolve. Can you stop a living end? No, wait. So no. You, you get you get the the cascade. Is that a trigger? Oh yeah, you can stifle the cascade trigger. That's true. You can't stop the living end itself, but you could stifle the shardless agent trigger or whatever to keep it from cascading. I wish it hit Beanstalk. I wish it didn't exclude enchantments. That would be the Wait, other it, trigger that I... It excludes enchantments? Okay, so you can still stifle oh, the Beanstalk trigger, but it doesn't lock down Beanstalk forever. That would be the this one upgrade. It hits, it hits Leyline Be Binding. Beanstalk is the new one ring. We, we don't even play the one ring anymore. <laughs> I mean, it gets Leyline Binding. That's one of the most popular removal spells. Omnath is Omnath's trigger. It stops that. I think, I mean, so Merfolk for sure. I think I, this is the card that gives me hope of Merfolk being good again. Beyond that, I don't know what the home is, but I think this card is like, oh, I think it's so strong. It's so strong. It's so strong. I don't it's think really Merfolk good. is legit because of this. I don't think you can play Merfolk still, but uh, maybe I, you still get Fury. So. Like, there's still all those games you ought to lose because you didn't have three mana up to cast this one card in exact response to Fury. And then you still lose. And even without the Fury, I'm not sure you have enough power to be beating people up in Modern with the Merfolk deck anymore. So what about Merfolk just is some really like strong against combo decks, right? But everyone's a mid-rangey, grindy deck in Modern now. So this doesn't really play to Merfolk's strengths. What about some sort of Krim deck? You know how Krim just likes to like, oh, I'm going to flash in my thing and like counter okay. your thing Seth, and annoy you. He has Shadow of Doubt if he wants to Stone Ring you. <laughs> that draws a card. Ooh, Shadow of Doubt into this. How about Mono Blue Land Destruction? Mm, that might be an against odds <laughs> that we've zero you, games you, with. You have a leaded Arbiter, your, <laughs> <Yes>. your Esper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, those... I, I'm just, okay, I don't know about Merfolk, but I would be shocked if I see it in other decks. Right, let's let's see if any of the blue decks, because there, there are a bunch of blue decks, right? Like Rhinos, Omnath, Murktide. It is stock. expensive enough to work with a Cascade, which I guess is an upside. You're not going to accidentally Cascade into it. This is a card that might have been better a few years ago. Remember when Collected Company was like a real card in Modern? For some reason, Collected Company is like not even good enough anymore. <laughs> Fury, uh, why are you playing things that die to Fury? <laughs> But this stifles the fury. I mean, and then also like Merfolk in other formats. I think this get a boost of power. We see Merfolk a little bit in historic. We haven't really seen them in Pioneer. Those formats though actually have just value collected company decks where I'm just gonna like play a bunch of good things that cost you know three mana or less and hit him with my Coco. So it could show up in a deck like that. What if you just played counterspell, Seth? <laughs> you're, you're listing things that counterspell or spell peers like take care of. <laughs> but it's a merfolk, Richard. It's a 3-2. You're going to beat him. It wears a dousing dagger. It wears, I got to put this into terms you understand. It wears a dousing dagger. I mean, dagger. it's going to be a 4-3 with the Lord of Atlantis on the battlefield. Uh, you can't even Phantasmal Image it, right? It has to... Oh, no, you... Hmm. You could. With Vile. With Vile, yeah. 
Okay, I, 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 so I, I, I have a closeted Merfolk player set. That I used Ooh, to play Merfolk and Legacy. Really? I play Merfolk and Modern. I love the fish. I, I'll, I'll give this a try. I'm, I'm curious if this makes it yes. any more legit. Yes. I have a feeling no. I feel like no. I'm still going to get overrun by the one ring. Like, sure, mm -hmm. that one time you can counter it. But all the other games where you don't have it. Like, here's the game. When you have Tidebinder and they don't have the one ring, you're not winning that game. But when they have the one ring and you don't have Tidebinder... Yeah. They're winning the yeah. game. <laughs> right? yeah. So that's no, why that's... I don't like the situational gotcha card. Same with the Fury, <laughs> right? So, but I'll, I'll give it a try. I will we'll bust out Merfolk. I'm curious what it looks like uh, in 2023. It's been a while. So, I Well, report back. I'll be curious. I want to I wanna see how it goes. So I had Tishana's Tidebinder as my number one. Molten Clap's number two. What, what would your number one modern card be, Richard, out of the cards we talked about? I think Echoing Deeps. I don't know about I think legacy. Like I, I say, so Volden Collapse is niche enough that I don't think like no one's gonna care that Scam plays two of these. Like no one's gonna freak yeah. out. But if Echoing Deeps takes off, like everyone's gonna be like, why did you make another insert broken land? Right? Why did you make something that works with dredge or something? I don't know. Right? So I think Echoing That's Deeps is my sleeper pick here. Echoing Deeps might be the most exciting because a lot of the cards we talked about, it's like, oh, Tishana's Tidebinder could go into Merfolk, Molten Collapse, upgrade on Dreadbore. It's like upgrades to existing decks echoing deeps is the closest to something that maybe could make like a new archetype or make like a tier three archetype a tier one archetype so i think in some ways it's the the highest upside of all the cards like if something's actually going to shake up the format i think uh, echoing deeps is the card that's most likely to do that when a lot of the other cards i think will see play but they're just like oh now my terminate's slightly better my dreadboard's slightly better my merfolk is slightly better so i'm excited to see what uh what people do with that one too all right. So those are, I think we hit up seven standard cards and seven non-standard cards for our top uh, Lost I, Caverns cards. I want to know what people think. I want to know, what did we miss? What did we, I made this list. What did I miss on this list? What are you hyped for in standard? What are you hyped for in other formats? This card, this set is very, very strong. So I'm sure there's some other things that we didn't even talk about today that have a chance to show up in standard and other formats. So uh, let us know in the comments if you're someplace where you can comment what cards you're hyped for from Lost Caverns of Ixalan for those formats. Richard, I don't think we're going to get to fish mail today, but one of these days we will. How do people uh, send that in? All right, you know, you know what you should do? You should tell us all of your cards via fish mail uh, at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And uh, I believe that brings us to the end of our podcast for today. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Goldfish. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs>